Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Yeah, we're doing it. Saturday morning, FST. It's good to be on air again. Uh, had a week off for the most part. Did some traveling. And I'm excited for the first time ever. We've been on air together before, but we've never done an entire show together. It's my man, Joe Galena. Joe, how are you, buddy? Doing great, Mike. And uh, just like you, I'm uh, excited to finally get a chance to... Uh, do a show with you, uh, as I told you uh, in the pre-show uh, chat, man. You have the best pipes on this network, man. <laughs> Thanks, so man. Uh, I'm really just nice. riding, right, riding your coattails today. So really well, uh, excited. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna probably provide better uh, and smarter analysis than I am. So I appreciate the compliment, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I didn't do anything to get this. Just, uh, just one uh-huh. of those things. So God, it's God given. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. So I'll, I'll try not to ruin it. So. Uh, yeah, I did some traveling this week. I was in Vail, Colorado, and it's a beautiful place. Uh, I've been there before, but I never spent as much time as I did this week for a couple of days. Just had some kind of work stuff going on out there. Um, and Colorado's great. I always say, I, I've said this to many people in the past. So, New York is sort of my home. It's where I grew up, it's where I currently live. So, it's almost impossible to judge that. That's going to be very high on my list. Plus, I've really, uh, I've, fell in love with Manhattan in all the years that I lived there. Um, And I really love California. It's got San Francisco, which is one of my favorite cities. It's got Southern California, which has all the positives uh, that come with that. Really beautiful state. But top three, Colorado for me, for sure. Great state, a lot of cool cities out there, and I got a chance to be in Denver for a minute, uh, and then mostly Vail. The problem with Vail is it's very high up in the air, Joe. Oh. 8,200 feet elevation. So it really messes with you. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. In a big way. That cough is not a result of Vail. At least I hope not. But <clears throat> mm-hmm. it is. So just being there for a relatively short period of time, you know, it takes a long time to get to Vail. From New York, you're taking a four-hour-plus flight. Then you're jumping in a car. You're driving two more hours <clears throat> to get there. Beautiful drive, picturesque scenery and all that kind of stuff. But that elevation really wreaks havoc with you. You have to drink an incredible amount of water to counteract that. And a lot mm. of times when you're on the move and you're, you know, you got meetings to go to and, and that kind of stuff, it is hard to do it's just hard to drink the requisite amount of water uh and if you're entertaining a little bit at night it just exacerbates the whole thing so while i love it there it really takes a lot for you to just be at even keel like you get you get a level you don't some people get flat out altitude sickness 
and I wouldn't say that I had that or any of my friends had that, but it was uh, it just wreaks havoc. It's just one of those deals. So what, what kind of uh, side effects do you feel? I know that you say you need to drink yeah. lots of water. Is it lightheadedness, yeah. lethargicness? Or, uh, I would say, first of all, you, you are short of breath. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't get your air fully uh-huh, all the time. Uh-huh. You, you slowly get used to it, mm-hmm. but, but there is that. Um, and I think you just feel dehydrated generally. That, that's mm. just the thinner air just dehydrates you. So all the side effects that come with feeling dehydrated or, or what happened. It's just you, I really felt awful the first night that I woke up there, which is I woke up there Thursday morning. I just felt pretty terrible. And you had to drink just a lot of water just to get back to baseline. I, I think that's really the general part of it. Yeah. And so as nice as it is, and I had an opportunity, a really short window to go skiing or snowboarding. I, I've, I've not ever snowboarded, so that wasn't really going to be an option. I was going to learn out there. Uh, and I've skied a few times in my life. It's been a really long time since I've gone skiing. Um, and there was a short window, but I decided against it because I just thought I was going to add to this effects of me mm-hmm. feeling like crap. Um, but it was really interesting. They've had a record-breaking year out there in Vail snow wise and um it was like 60 degrees so you have all the snow and it's 60 degrees and it's gorgeous and beautiful and the whole thing so that's <laughs> it that's what i did this week um, i'll tell you and- i mean i have to discuss this with an aunt of mine because uh she had uh, lived in right outside of denver for a while and yeah. recently made the move to uh, uh pennsylvania and she's looking yeah. to move back <laughs> because she's yeah. like, you know, she's like, uh, you know, our area very humid in this in the summer. Sure. Uh, she feels that they have no humidity get lots out there. Of, right, you get lots of rain here. She says, and uh, yeah. uh, like I said, she and 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 also what what you're saying makes me think about the advantages, you know, about uh, you know, with the Rockies and and, uh, and the Broncos. And uh, I mean, how yeah. long did it take you? It took you like what several hours to to, to feel these effects, or um. You will feel short of breath right away. Wow. But the other stuff, it's probably by the end of that first day, the next morning, you're like, man, I really don't feel great. And you you realize that if you're not drinking a copious amount of water, it's going to happen. It's really what you have to do. You just have to drink. Go get a jumbo water and make sure you're downing that thing and then go get another one and down that one. It's just a constant effort to do it. So. So that's the deal. And we'll get into some Rockies and maybe some Broncos. uh, But uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't start with a little uh, overview of what happened last night on the hoop court. Duke escapes yet again. Uh, Just two games in a row where they were dead to rights against UCF in the round of 32. They were dead. I mean, they were they were dead in the water and they were going to lose that game. And the ball rolls off the rim twice last night. The final play is a perfectly set up inbounds play, and the guy, uh, Hill, just short-armed it. And it would have been for the tie to push it to overtime, so there's no guarantee what happens there. And, you know, Duke is obviously playing with just these incredible athletes and these top two picks in the draft. Uh, But they escape once again, and it's starting to make you think that, you know, as good as they are, they haven't played their best but, man, they've dodged two massive bullets in these last two games, Joe. 
Yeah, and I was watching, uh, you know, the, some of the post game, and one of the analysts said that, "Hey, if I'm Duke, you know, I buy a bunch of lottery tickets yeah. <laughs> this weekend sure. because." But uh, yeah, I mean, so I mean, with two squeakers, I mean, do you think that Duke finally put it together? And uh, you know, I mean, is this like a a, a, a big problem? I mean, going forward, or I well, mean, have they gotten these bad games behind them, and now you know they could stop being Duke again? It's a really good question. So I think that is, look, it's something that happens every year in this tournament that teams, you feel like they're toast and they have, they dodge the bullet and then they go on a run. Look at Auburn right now. <laughs> Auburn against New Mexico State in the first round easily could have lost. New Mexico State passed on a layup to tie it with about a few seconds left, which was just a boneheaded play. And then had a wide-open three in the final second that if it goes in, Auburn's already has been home for a week and a half already. But it didn't go in. And now Auburn has destroyed a couple of teams in a row. They just blew out North Carolina last night. So sometimes you dodge these bullets, and then you go on a run. And if Auburn Auburn's playing Kentucky t- tomorrow, it wouldn't shock me if Auburn wins. They play extremely high-paced. They scored 97 points on North Carolina last night, which is just absurdity to think that they could do that. But they're playing better than Kentucky, for example. So I, I think Auburn's got a real shot to, to crash that party. Uh, so as much as the tournament was looking chalky, and it still remains relatively chalky, having Auburn in the Final Four would be something that would surprise a lot of people because – I don't think a lot of I don't think a ton of people expected them to get through North Carolina. So much in the same way that Auburn dodged their bullet and now they're on a run. Duke has dodged two bullets and they're in the Elite Eight and they're playing a Michigan State team, which has been very solid. They come up with a huge win last night. I, I think that was probably the most expected result of all of these Sweet 16 matchups was to see Michigan State go through. And they go through. So I think underdogs went five and three against the spread in the round of 16. Uh, and the unders on the tournament are 28 to 26 and two. So Vegas has been on the money with mm. uh, the totals uh, as to be expected. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's a long winded answer, but I think in this tournament, it's just as wacky and you have to just survive in advance. It's the age old cliche, but it really is true. It's, it's just true. It doesn't matter how you won. You're just still alive. Right. Right, absolutely. Yeah. It's like that in I, I any mean, playoff format, but certainly in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you, I'm not going to lie to you. We've had conversations about this, and, you know, I, I don't really follow college basketball as closely as you do, but, yeah. I mean, I was watching some of that Purdue game the other night. That yeah, guy, yeah. Ryan Klein, man. Yeah. He was just unconscious for, uh, for yeah. a, a half. And he's got that funky, he's got that funky, like, lean back, uh, fadeaway three-pointer. Yeah. Shooting mm-hmm. line drives, but hey, they're going in. They're going in. I can't argue with the with the style uh, that he shoots. So, uh, you know, we're down to eight. So it's the elite eight, and I've had a lot of fun watching the tournament thus far. I don't care that it's been chalky. We've obviously seen some really good games. We saw Houston and Kentucky was a really good game last night. Kentucky was up ten at half, and Houston battled all the way back. They had the lead there in the final two minutes. Kentucky made the big plays that counted, and they move on. Duke 
in a squeaker last night, as you phrased it. You had Auburn upsetting North Carolina. Michigan State was a walkover, but you had Texas Tech blowing out Michigan. You have uh, Purdue, as you said, in that crazy overtime game. They had a 25-point lead. And it all, uh, or Tennessee is the one that had the 25-point lead against Iowa. They blew that all. Then Purdue has a lead here against Tennessee. They blow that and then uh, are able to walk, they get by in overtime. And now UVA. You know, I've got a little personal rooting interest in UVA. A friend of mine's stepson is on the team and oh, doing wow. really well. So um, he's starting point guard there, Ty Jerome, and he is, uh, you know, an NBA draft prospect. And UVA is really playing a, sort of typical basketball for them, this, the style that they want to play. You know, lower scoring game, playing good, sound, fundamental, defensive basketball. I do think that their style of play, though, Joe, is just, just – it's really difficult to win a tournament when you're playing slow it down and you're playing a lot of close games because just for one, you're off for a half, off for a few minutes in this type of tournament, it can mean that you're out and looking for, uh, looking forward to next year. So I, I hope they can continue to get through it. I absolutely think they can beat Purdue, but frankly, Purdue might be amongst the the team playing the best in this whole tournament. Auburn right now would probably take that moniker, but um, I'm excited for these games today. You know, we're going to have some really good ones. Yeah, I was reading up on the uh, Gonzaga-Texas Tech matchup, which is an interesting one because you have uh, the best offense versus basically uh, the best defense tonight, right? That's right. That's right. Top offensive team in the country, Gonzaga. <clears throat> I didn't catch as much because uh, I was in mountain time. I, my sort of clock was thrown off. So uh, the game I probably watched the least of was Gonzaga FSU. But uh, Gonzaga really didn't impress me in the first two rounds. They get a nice, more comfortable win against Florida State. If, if Texas Tech wins, that will be a huge positive for my brackets because nice. I picked them okay. going to the final four in most of my brackets. I just like the way it lined up for them. I didn't think it was a classic Michigan team, and I thought Gonzaga could get knocked off. And uh, that will be a a game changer for me if Tech makes it. In the other brackets, I had Duke and Michigan State uh, each time. Duke is where I leaned. And in the other one, I really did have a, a bunch of UVA-Purdue matchups, so that has worked out for me. Uh, nice. Auburn is Auburn is going to hurt me. But Kentucky will help me. So if I get a Kentucky, Texas Tech, Duke, UVA, I'll have a four for four in a couple of brackets. So that'll be uh, a positive for me. But the way Duke is keep sweeping these out, I don't know if they can pull it off. Mm. Yeah, uh, sooner or later, it might catch up to them. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. yeah, you would think it would. So... It's me and Joe Galena for the next three hours. We're going to have Emery Hunt on in a little over an hour. He's going to do some NFL draft with us, so we're excited about that. Nice. And Joe and I are going to talk about baseball next. Somebody hit three home runs last night. To all you Goldschmidt owners, you're throwing confetti. We'll be right back. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Yeah, we're back. It's FST, Mike Blue to Joe Galena on this Saturday morning. Catch me on Twitter or catch all of us on Twitter at FNTSY Radio. I'm at Mike Blue and Joe is at Joe Galena. Keep it easy. It's Joe, G-A-L-L-I-N-A. Dan Strafford's off this week, for those of you wondering where his silky smooth voice is. Uh, he has the week off. Joe normally does the uh, does a lot of different shows over the course of the weekend. G- give the folks a sense, since you're not normally on this particular show, give right. show g- folks a sense of where you can normally be found. Well, my schedule has, uh, you know, a l- little limited since the end of football season. But for now, yeah. I'm on uh, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., uh, along with George Kurtz, uh, Roto Experts in the morning. So at this right. time tomorrow, I'll on be talking Sundays. to uh, our, yeah, our uh, mutual friend, George Kurtz. Yeah, yeah, George and I uh, held down this Saturday morning spot for like the first year and a, a half while. that the network yeah. was open. We were the longest running show at one point. So uh, mm-hmm. things change and we still do shows together. But so that's the deal. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, baseball. You know, we've dealt with some rainouts and all that kind of stuff uh, early on, but uh, got to feel pretty good. If you're a Paul Goldschmidt owner last night, he goes for three home runs he's the first player in the history of major league baseball to have a three home run game in the first couple of days of the season so goldie was obviously a a very high draft pick in most drafts and he's delivering early in his new spot absolutely and uh you know there's something about the st louis cardinals organization uh, that seems to bring out the best out of of a player but i mean look goldschmidt one of the uh the you know, between him and Freddie Freeman, uh, top first baseman in baseball, and uh, it just seemed like, you know, in spring training, it seemed like a really good fit, and then the Cardinals felt uh, comfortable enough with him to give him uh, an extension and pay him what he's worth. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you uh, if you were able to, you know, pick up uh, Goldschmidt in a, in a draft, you're, you're looking pretty. I think he's going to have a, a big year. Uh, the thing about Goldschmidt, you know, it, previous is that uh, he – not only did he hit for average in home runs, he gave you a little stolen base action. I think that the days of him uh, running as much are, are over, but still, I mean, uh, 35 home runs, 100-plus RBI, and a 300 average, almost a lock with this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's just an on-base machine, too. That's always been his sure. greatest strength. As great a hitter as he is, he's a 400-plus on-base guy, uh, consistently has been throughout his career. Last night, he goes 5-for-5 five five with the three home runs for – no, I'm sorry – Four for five, three home runs, five RBIs total. He also drew a walk. So to my point about his OBS uh, through yeah, two games yeah. of the season is uh, 2.225. So you very rarely see them get that high. He's competing with Christian Yelich there. He's also get, gotten on base a lot. Uh, but uh, on the Goldschmidt thing, the five-year extension was worth around $130 million. Do you think that was the smart move? It, it, what was odd about this free agency season is that the story was the same as last year. It was even worse. 
nobody had been signed. There were 90 free agents available as of a few weeks ago. And then the dam broke on where we thought there weren't going to be any, the monster deals weren't going to be as big as they were. They ended up being even bigger. Machado got it started. Then you got Harper and DeGrom and Trout, obviously. And Paul Goldschmidt was part of that. Did you think that was a prudent move by the cards? I think so. I mean, uh, look, you know, $26 million per for a guy uh, of uh, Goldschmidt's uh, talent, man. Uh, he's 31 years old. Uh, yeah. What they give him, five years? Yeah. Five years, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. he'll still yeah. be in his prime. I, I think that uh, they're definitely going to get their money's worth. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. You know, there's, you know, Alex Bregman got paid, too. There was a couple of guys that signed deals that were head scratchers for me. Um and we can get into those later. Like, I, I thought the Blake Snell uh, extension, I just thought, I, I just feel like they left money on the table there. You know, a five-year, $50 million extension. Nobody's going to s- sneeze at $50 million, but <laughs> he's not going to be a free agent until he's in his 30s. So, considering what some of the other guys got, if I were Snell, I might have played it out a year or two working arbitration and really try to hit free agency. Probably the smart business decision, but when you look at the, a couple of the young pitchers like uh, Aaron Nola, uh, four years, forty-five million; Severino, four years, forty million. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess they just wanted the guaranteed money. You know, uh, yeah. up ahead, and you know, arbitration could be real ugly. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, you remember uh, Della Batances a few years back? And brutal. Basically, yeah. I mean, the team has to, no matter how good you are, they have to bring up, uh, you know, everything that you've done wrong in order to try so to. It's really interesting that you bring that up because yeah. I read something in the last week that they are thinking of changing the process of the player being present during arbitration hearings. And I think it's wise. And I, I jokingly called it. The, Dylan, the Randy Levine rule, because yeah. Randy Levine basically did a victory lap after they won the arbitration hearing with Dylan Batanzas mm-hmm. after they slammed him right. uh, publicly. Mm-hmm. And then he does a victory lap because he's just claiming he knew, uh, basically proclaiming victory, saying oh, we knew that that was the proper value. And the player is there, present for all of it. And you just create ill will between yourself and the player for no particular reason. He's in the locker room the same day trying mm-hmm. to win games, and you've just hammered him during a ar- arbitration hearing. So, yep. <laughs> anyway. It's, it's like it, yeah, it's like an amicable divor- divorce, right? Let's say yeah. uh, you get divorced from your wife, and, and she still loves you, but uh, you know she goes before the judge and says, well, you know, he doesn't put the toilet seat down, and he snores yeah, yeah, at yeah. night. But yeah, yeah, I still yeah. love him, but, you know, yeah. and, and the Yankees obviously still loved Batances, but yeah. uh, with the way that the process ran, I mean, they had to bring up uh, his uh, shortcomings, which, uh, yeah. and, and he was real upset about it, especially the way that the, uh, he should have been. the New York Papers, and he should have been, you're right. you're right. Because Levine did a victory lap. That was the whole mm-hmm. problem. Like, the hearing is the hearing. Just don't say mm-hmm. anything after you win. Just go right. back to the right, office right. and do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So he had every right to be upset about it. So anyway, we've got, I got off on a tangent there because of the, yeah, uh, the Goldschmidt yeah. contract. But mm-hmm. uh, so Goldie with the big night there. Uh, rest of that game, Yelich off to a good start. He's two for three, two runs scored. He's got an RBI. Uh, Ryan Braun had three RBIs last night, two for four. Uh, he hit a home run, actually, a uh, three-run homer in the first inning. So uh, you are he- – so Joe and I are in the Fantasy Sports Radio 
the pit league. They call it the pit mm-hmm. league because where the producers sit, it's called the pit, and there's a lot of producers uh, and some guys like us uh, competing in this league. 14-team league. Uh, it's head-to-head, and I think uh, there's somewhere in the range of a million categories that we're tracking in this league. So uh, yeah. every, everything's on tap to be tracked. Wins, uh, quality starts, uh, innings pitched, everything is being tracked. So mm-hmm. you happen to be heavy on Milwaukee. You have Moustakas yes. and uh, Aguiar. And Yasmani mm-hmm. Grandal, who you actually mm-hmm. scooped up for me. I was targeting him. But uh, then after I didn't get that and catcher started going, I waited until I was the last person to pick a catcher. But give me your thoughts since it's early in the season. I'm sure you've talked about it before. But give me your thoughts about Milwaukee's offense and why you are, were so um, in on it for this tr- team in particular. So uh, Yasmani Grandal is a guy that I targeted uh, in uh, a few of my drafts this year. I mean, you know, Riamuto goes quick. Uh, Gary Sanchez goes went early in drafts. And I'll be honest with you, even as a Yankee fan, I don't know how you feel about him, but uh, I'm a little concerned about Sanchez. He, he looked okay for uh, opening day, uh, but uh, he obviously is, uh, you know, slumped <laughs> yeah. badly last year. But uh, Grandal, I, I looked at his numbers. I think he had pretty decent numbers in uh, Milwaukee's uh, park, uh, power-hitting catcher for the Dodgers. And uh, he was a guy that, look, that catcher position, and we're only starting one, but uh, it just gets so thin so quickly. And yeah. uh, I liked, I liked uh, Grandal's uh, upside based on the, the move from the Dodgers uh, to Milwaukee. And Jesus Aguiar, I think 35 home runs last year, a breakout season. And uh, look, you know, I don't really see him uh, regressing too much. I think 30-plus home runs uh, are uh, definitely a possibility for him. And look, it's a hitter's park. And when it came to Moustakis, you know, the third base uh, position, pretty deep. But uh, even in some of my mocks, you know, it, it was so deep that I almost got complacent over it and uh, you know he was uh, kind of like the last guy that hadn't been taken at the third base position I had had uh, lots of shares of uh, Rafael Devers I think he's going to have a bounce back but he yeah, was like gone that. yeah and uh, not only uh, with Moustakis uh, 30 home run potential but uh, he's going to be playing some second base as well so he'll have uh, multi-position eligibility as well yeah Joe and I and everybody else just did this draft on Sunday night so um it's kind of fresh we're obviously everybody's just getting the season started but it's just mm-hmm. fresh and us having done this draft uh I went Chris Sale out of the gate and then came back with uh Bregman Alex Bregman, Bregman. and mm-hmm. I did that in part I it was really between it was deciding between him and Javi Baez mm-hmm. and I went with Bregman because in Yahoo uh, he's got this multi-positional eligibility, and I kind of took care of third base or shortstop right out mm-hmm. of the gate. It, it allowed me to slow play shortstop. As you said, third base is deep, so you don't have to grab – you didn't have to grab a third baseman early. But because he's got this extension, he's on a very good baseball team, he's a rising star, he's been successful yes. at every single level of baseball since he's a sophomore in high school, uh, I see n- – the North Star is sort of pointing straight up for him. I think he'll continue to rake and get better on a successful, great offensive lineup. And I just like Bregman in that spot, particularly because of the multi-positional eligibility. 
Yeah, I love him. And, uh, you know, you look at his numbers last year, 31 home runs, uh, 103 runs batted in. But take a look at the the, uh, the doubles. He led the league in doubles with 51. Right. And right. to me, you know, as a player gets older, he's just 25 years old this season. So, uh, you know, as he uh, develops some more of that man strength, maybe, uh, you know, five of those doubles, six, of, you know, uh, five plus of those doubles could turn into home runs. So mid-30 home run power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially in that park. And, and those doubles mm-hmm. are created because, you know, that, that it's just the weirdest baseball stadium ever. <laughs> you know, it's just a band box and you can knock stuff off the wall and it's impossible to play in the outfield at times there. So uh, so that's it. Uh, so that's one game down. Uh, I'll check on another one. Let's just bounce over to Colorado and Miami. Ian Desmond had the highlight reel play. People wondering if he could play center field. Well, he robs a home run from Lewis Brinson last night as the Rockies rolled. Uh, six to one Marlins 0 and two Rockies moved to two and oh but Ian Desmond uh, just give me your thoughts on him quickly it's an odd thing when I look at Ian Desmond because it was just a couple of years ago just literally a couple of years ago where he was thought to be a hundred million dollar player in Washington a big time fantasy asset he passed on all that money thinking he was going to get more he finds himself in Colorado and he's certainly not the fantasy asset or isn't predicted to be the fantasy asset this year as he was just a couple of years ago. And now he's making a transition defensively as well. So I don't know if you have any expectations for Ian Desmond at all, or is that is that just kind of a, a shooting star that never landed where people thought? Yeah, he's a a personal polarizing player for me because he's almost schizophrenic. I mean, you look at these seasons that he's had, uh, 2015 a 233 batting average. Uh, then he hits 285, 274 last year, 236. Uh, he's been bouncing around, uh, different positions. I don't know if you could take that into consideration, but a real streaky hitter. Even when you look at, you know, last season, uh, you know, he, his splits are very streaky. You know, he had months at a time where uh, he performed well uh, and other times where he just, uh, you know, was almost non-existent. The, the key that you love about him is uh, in certain leagues, I think this year, he might have uh, dual eligibility, but even more important than that is... Uh, you know, bottom line is the guy has 20 home run, 20 stolen base potential. So, I mean, and, you know, stolen bases, obviously, you know, you could, it's a broken record, but uh, tough uh, category to fill. So uh, yeah. the way I approached him in drafts this season was if he was there late enough, uh, you know, I was going to take him uh, and, uh, you know, but uh, like, again, a, a polarizing player for me. Yeah, uh, I totally understand. So. Uh, rest of that game in the 6-1 victory, Charlie Blackman just keeps being Charlie Blackman. Three for five, yeah. uh, two RBIs, another run scored. Murphy, uh, one for five, a run scored. Herman Marquez, owned by Mike Blewett in the pit league. He yeah. ends up <laughs> getting his first win of the season, six innings, uh, just a run scored. Three walks and seven strikeouts. He was a guy that really was very well thought of going into fantasy drafts. He's off to a good start here. You have thoughts about Marquez for the season this year, Joe? Yeah, I kind of, you know, strikeout pitcher, right? Uh, almost 11 strikeouts per nine. Uh, had a decent ERA, even though he pitches in, in, with the Rockies. I mean, he, he was a guy that uh, I know that a lot of people were high on. I was kind of lukewarm on, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. What, 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 maybe you can help me out. What, what did you like about him? I just thought that 
the Rockies can be pretty good this year. I understand the risks that come with a, a a starting pitcher in Colorado, but I just like the fact that he's a pretty young player. I think he could be growing into what could be an improving player. And while that ERA may get inflated and he may get tattooed a couple of nights, on the whole, it's almost like he's a different kind of pitcher. But you know how mm-hmm. we talk about Tanaka sometimes? And it's like the numbers at the end of the year may look a little funky, but he gets out there and he's got a lot of good quality starts, you know? But Tanaka just mm-hmm, gets mm-hmm. rocked a few times a year and yeah, he always... it makes his numbers on the whole look far worse than they actually are. And I yeah, think you could yeah. see a similar kind of track for Marquez. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I love the fact uh, that uh, he uh, you get your strikeouts, uh, no doubt. Last year, last year's, uh, I mean, 4.74 ERA at home. And I hate to, you know, I don't want to be a knee-jerk kind of guy and say, no, I'm not never going to draft a uh, a Rockies pitcher. But that is a little bit concerning for me. And for, for me personally, uh, I like him better as a DFS play. But that's what makes yeah. fantasy, you know, great is that, you know, yeah. we could have different opinions. Yeah, I I. Look, it, I also got to the point where, look, I, I came sail out of the gate, so I made sure I had a stud. By the way, it didn't work out in sure. the first start of the year. But uh, I just I, I, I loaded up with some relievers as well. And, and Marquez is, yeah, there's certainly a risk there. But I feel okay with the other depth that I have, guys like Kyle Hendricks, who just signed an extension. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a pretty good bullpen right now with uh, Wade Davis and Raldis Chapman. Uh, I also have guys like um, Vizcaino in Atlanta, Green in Detroit, and Matt Barnes in Boston, who may not be closers for long, but I'll just take advantage of what we have here in maybe what may be the first two months of the season before somebody like Green gets moved or Vizcaino loses the job or Barnes doesn't hang on to it. I just feel like I'm going to rack up a lot of good reliever stats say before Memorial Day, before things start to adjust. You, you know, as always in baseball, you got to make some real adjustments. Absolutely. And uh, our buddy uh, George Kurtz is the uh, guru of uh, closers, and uh, he, would agree, he would agree with you 100%. I mean, look, you know, uh, early in the season, uh, you, you mentioned Green is a guy that's going to get uh, some save uh, opportunities for the Tigers and might eventually get traded at the deadline. Yeah. But, he look, take advantage that. while you can. That's take right. advantage while you can. That's right. And work the he, waiver wire. Yeah, so Marquez off to a good start. Uh, Miami did nothing in that game. Absolutely nothing. Conley gets the loss. We're going to come back. We'll talk about some injury updates in MLB and take a look at some more of the box scores. This is Mike and Joe on FST. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on FST, Mike and Joe taking you through hour number one. We're talking baseball right now. Uh, we've got some injury updates, too. Joe brought up a good point during the break. So, so uh, according to Michael Silverman of the Boston Herald, he is saying that 
the Red Sox are in no way concerned about Chris Sale's health. Uh, Alex Cora says, says, from my end, he's healthy. That's the most important thing. I was talking to Chris. He understands where he's at and what he needs to do. He's going to be fine. So Sale, uh, on opening day, three innings start in which he allowed seven runs on six hits, three home runs with a triple-double and two walks mixed, in, mixed into the 12-4 beattown. So he just got this huge extension which some people questioned. I understand why they would do that. They just want somebody locked in, and they feel like they can win a couple of more World Series under while he's their number one starter. Uh, Sale is obviously an incredible lefty pitcher, and uh, you were talking, though, during the break about some concerns about velocity drop in this first start. Yeah, I mean, early in the draft season, I was kind of avoiding him. You know, he had some uh, injuries late last year. Yes. Uh, but uh, once I saw that the Red Sox gave him that extension, uh, he's 30 years old now. Uh, you know, I have faith. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan, but I still have good faith that the Red Sox would have done their uh, due diligence. And uh, once uh, they, uh, you know, gave him that uh, five-year, I think it was $145 million, uh, yes. I felt more comfortable in drafting him, so I fought. You know, and I know you 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 drafted him, and I and look, it's one start, you know. And uh, look, they're, they're talking about his fastball. Uh, uh, Jeff, uh, I think it's Jeff Zimmerman from Fangraphs did a uh, an article about the drops in velocity early on. But uh, you know, you have to take it into context too. You know, first start of the season, uh, just pitched nine innings this spring. Uh, you know, 13 Ks and in nine innings in the spring. I know we don't put uh, much credence on on spring stats, but it's obviously much too early to, uh, you know, to panic. And, and the the fact that the Red Sox felt comfortable enough to give him that extension makes me more comfortable in owning him in, in fantasy. Yeah. So he averaged only 92.8 on his fastball, a couple miles short of his 95.7 mm-hmm. average last year. So Alex Cora said, we went through the same thing last year. I don't want to bring back when I was the bench coach in Houston. This is all Alex Cora quotes. But I heard a lot of people were saying he was throwing 99 from the get-go and he ran out of bullets in October. So which one right. do you take? You want him throwing 99 in March and April after he throw, he's thrown just 12 innings in this entire spring, including the start the other day? Or do you want him around in October? Now, as you mentioned, he only threw 27 starts last year. There were two stints, one of which appeared to be at rest, one of which might have been there might be something wrong with Sale here. Uh, and it had him not pitching quite as much in late August into September. So always a concern, but I can't <clears throat> get predictive about injuries. I just have to – 50% of the pitchers, Joe, that are on rosters on opening day – are going to the IL. Mm-hmm. That's that's the numbers we've seen. So I can't sit here and say, <clears throat> look, I, I have every right to say I don't want to draft Kershaw because he's hurt right now. Right. But I can't say, well, uh, I'm worried that Sale might get hurt or that Marquez might get hurt or that Carlos. You know, the only guy I drafted that is currently hurt is Carlos Martinez, and that was my very last pick because I thought mm-hmm. – if I get something out of him, great. Yeah, he's wrapping the I may not side. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I can't be predictive about sales injury status. It could be a concern. Guy throws hard, funky style, all that kind of stuff. But he's been so good that I just figured he was a, a, a guy to start with. It, it, the choice was between him and DeGrom. I just thought I could get a few more wins out of sale. That was 
kind of my tiebreaker. I, to expect DeGrom to do this year what he did last year, I just thought was a fool's errand. I think he can be great, and he's a tremendous mm-hmm. pitcher, but to expect him to do it again is asking too much. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that DeGrom's going to regress a little bit, but he's still going to be, you know, uh, a, a great pitcher. And uh, basically, you flip a coin uh, between DeGrom and Sale. Like I said, I don't, I don't fault you uh, in any way. You know, I'm a conservative drafter. Uh, yeah. You brought up uh, Kershaw. Uh, there was no way that uh, he, you know I was going to take a chance on Kershaw, but it's a different story with Kershaw because he's you know he's had uh, you know now a couple of years of uh, back issues where he's been on the yeah. DL, and then yeah. also he was hurt this spring uh, and is right. currently on the IL. So that's that's, right. that's a yeah that's a totally different story. And especially you in baseball, fact, Joe, fading injured yeah. players is the right strategy. It's Don't marathon, take the injured yeah. players. You will mm-hmm. be wrong on a on some of those, but on the long playing the long game, mm-hmm. avoiding injured players is the right thing to do. Absolutely, yeah, uh, I yeah. agree with you wholeheartedly. So uh, Carlos Correa not in the starting lineup Friday, making marking his second straight absence to open the season. He's day to day with the next string, but it looks like they're targeting Sunday for his debut. So this is really just a really short precautionary rest to start the season. Yes. Uh, however, it's a little concerning to me because he had issues uh, last year with this, you know, yeah. uh, with, a, with a bad back. So um, and I, I know he's a guy, I mean, I've seen videos of his workouts. He really takes care of himself. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he's someone that, you know, I, I wasn't really targeting. Uh, in drafts uh, this preseason, yeah. but, you know, uh, it, it is a little bit concerning to me, but, you know, when I heard that uh, they're expecting that he should be playing Sunday, I felt a little better. Yeah. Uh, next guy, Corey Knabel, uh, Nabel has elected to undergo Tommy John surgery and puts an end yeah. to his season. So over the past week, he gathered feedback from a number of specialists, and that's done. He's having surgery Wednesday. You won't see him this season. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one there. But uh, so now a couple of things. You, you, now you're thinking uh, Craig Kimbrell, <laughs> right? Uh, right? Still uh, a, f- a free agent there. And, uh, you know, uh, Knable, uh, he was hurt for part of the season last year, but uh, still a, a very uh, good closer. Uh, Brewers have been a team that has uh, used uh, multiple closes over the, uh, the past good years. I mean, Canable uh, only had 16 last year, but that's in part due to the fact that he spent some time in the DL. Uh, Hader, Josh Hader, everybody loves him, uh, had 12 last year, came in, uh, I think he got a two-inning save uh, opening day. But I, I think that the, uh, the, the Brewers would probably prefer to use him as the kind of the setup guy who could uh, regularly go more than one inning. And yeah. uh, they got a problem with Jeff. Jeffress, uh, Jeremy Jeffress on the DL. He had 15 saves last year as well. So uh, yeah. Kimbrell makes sense to me. I, I think so, too. They've been very judicious in how they pay players. So with considering Kimbrell has, I think, the market has not been there for Kimbrell because he's asking too much. So yep. if he comes Many back years, to the middle. a lot of money. <laughs> that's right. So I think if he comes back to the middle and he finds himself on a really good team with an opportunity, I, I think he should obviously consider it. But who, who knows? Maybe he slow plays it and waits for another closer to get hurt so that the market drives up for need. But for now, you're right. It seems like it could be a legitimate fit. Uh, speaking of Clayton Kershaw, he's scheduled to throw a three-inning simulated game today, and that could lead to a minor league rehab start. Uh, quote, 
from Dave Roberts. I would assume we'll see how he comes out of it tomorrow. After that, on his second day, he throws a side session, and then the next progression is a four or five inning rehab start, double A AA or triple A. I'm not sure, but I think that's the plan. Uh, as far as Rich Hill is concerned, he hasn't progressed to throwing off a mound yet as he recovers from a left knee strain, so there'll be time to go for that. Um, next one, Carlos Martinez, who we just mentioned, is working his way back from a right rotator cuff strain, which is about the worst kind of injury that you'd want, uh, being a pitcher. Uh, he has been playing catch more aggressively and at longer distances. So decision about whether he re- he will return as a starter or reliever will likely be made in mid-April. Uh, Jed Jerko declared himself healthy during a text exchange, but the utility infielder will have to wait until Thursday to be activated from the injured list. So uh, I'll do, do one more and I'll let you comment, Joe. Francisco Lindor. So they're waiting for a second opinion on his acute left ankle sprain from Dr. Robert Anderson before releasing an official timetable for his return. He sustained the sprain Tuesday in an inter-squad game while in a rundown between first and second. So that's obviously been the most significant injury as we you know, start the season. Lindor is an extremely high draft pick and has a lot of expectations. So I gave you a bunch of injury updates. Mm-hmm. What's the one that you're uh, – Canable is obviously really bad news, but of the rest of them, what's right, the right. one that you're most concerned about? It's It's got to be, for me, Lindor. I mean, he was uh, going late first round, uh, yeah. early second round, right? I mean, and uh, – and, and I didn't get him. Look- I, I know I didn't have a chance to draft him when I got Bregman at, like, uh, 17 or something like that. So Lindor was already gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at him, I mean, things, uh, he looks like he had been progressing uh, better than expected, right? I mean, it looks yeah. like he was going to be ready to c- come back because when we first got this injury, we were thinking that maybe it might be uh, something well into April that he'd be dealing with. <laughs> but now it's not the, the calf, right? It's it's the ankle. Uh, yeah. And uh, f- for me, like I said, I'm a conservative drafter. Uh, so it sounds like, you, you know, you, you would have taken him, uh, you were considering it, right? I would have considered it. I I, mm-hmm. I I end up really liking how it started for me, but mm-hmm. it was something that I, I would have considered, you know. But now, you know, the acute left ankle sprain, it looks like um, uh, Francona – well, where's the lineup? Yeah, here's here's the note on lineup configuration. Uh, with Lindor and Kipnis on the injured list, it looks like Francona is going to continue with Jose Ramirez in the number two spot. He has Leonis Martin mm-hmm. uh, split up the left-handed uh, hitter. So, so – there's a lot of moving parts between Jake Bowers, Tyler Naquin, all these other guys with Lindor out. So it's moving that Indians uh, configuration around. I'm concerned about that injury, but I think a lot of people, myself included, have been concerned about the Indians in general, Joe. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's amazing. They have uh, incredible pitching, right? Uh, Kluber, Bauer, Clevenger, Shane Bieber, but uh, their uh, offense, you know, what's what's happened to it? <laughs> you know, it's mm. like, uh, and I think that this uh, opens the door uh, for the Minnesota Twins. I think that the Twins could, uh, oh, this could be the year that they overtake uh, the uh, the Indians. I was surprised that they didn't uh, look into uh, adding, you know, even just a small move like uh, Adam Jones, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but this this could be an interesting team this year, right? Because if they they don't play well, I mean, they've already put supposedly Kluber on the block on the trading block, and yeah. I, there were even rumors, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks before opening day that the, they were still uh, entertaining offers. So it's going to be an interesting year for the Indians, a uh, transition, a potential transition year. But like I said, great starting pitching, but that that offense is. Uh, 
uh, a lot left uh, to be desired here. <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt about it. So uh, next injury update, Shohei Otani. Looks like he's progressing from Tommy John surgery that he had. He's obviously not pitching this year, but he's expected to return as a DH in May. On the flip side of things, Andrew Heaney uh, looks like he sustained a setback with his left elbow injury. So thoughts on Otani. Uh, I don't even remember who got him in our draft or, or where he went. I wasn't really targeting him, but clearly he could be uh, a big boost to your fantasy lineup when he gets back in mm-hmm. May. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what he did in uh, just 326 at-bats last year, the 22 home runs, the 285 uh, batting average, and even uh, pitched in with 10 steals. So uh, when he is healthy, he's definitely somebody that I consider for a DFS lineup. Uh, you know, I didn't have an opportunity to draft him. And tell you the truth, I really wasn't targeting him. Uh, but look, just from a real-life perspective, uh, that Angels team, uh, their offense – and, and poor Mike Trout could use all the support that he could get. So okay. <laughs> I'd be happy well, to I, see him. Poor is a really interesting choice of words. Yeah, right? Think, yeah, okay. I don't think that's ever going to be the <laughs> phrase that I would use in front of him. But, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's locked. $426 million doesn't make you poor. I don't care how bad your team is. You're in good shape. So, uh, all right. So, yeah, it's a big boost to your lineup potentially there. You're right. Uh, Trout does need some help on the field. Off the field, I think he's doing okay. Uh, Yankees mm. updates. There, there's a lot of them. Luis Severino, Dylan <clears throat> uh, Betances, Aaron Hicks, Didi Gregorius, Jacoby Ellsbury, <clears throat> and Ben Heller. I'm just giving you all the updates and some of these guys yeah, yeah, are obviously yeah. not sure. fantasy relevant. Uh, all placed on the 10-day DL the other day. Uh, those assignments were all made retroactive to March 21st and the earliest date that that is permitted. So Severino expected to return after May 1st. The club hopeful that Betances and Hicks can return in April. I hate the way that reads because hopeful that they were, will return in April means maybe not. Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting choice of, of words. Uh, but uh, look, you know, this this thing with Severino, if it ends up being something where, you know, he could recover from it without uh, facing any surgery or whatnot, could end up being, a, a, you know, a blessing in disguise for a team like the Yankees that's going to play deep, that wants to play deep into the playoffs. So, uh, you know, they kind of tailed off uh, in the second half last year, uh, Mike. And, yeah. uh, you know, so maybe this could. He was uh, brilliant up, uh, before the All-Star break. And to your point, he really did not pitch the same way. Uh, mm-hmm. He's also had playoff struggles as well. So it's okay for me personally if he comes back. I'll just pick a date, May 15th, and then he's healthy from there on because pitching a shorter season for him seems like, at least at this point in his career, like that might be helpful to his effectiveness deep into the season. Um, But we're obviously going to be bated breath until we see him pitch consistently and be healthy because every Yankees fan and every fantasy owner is just worried that – this is more than just a little thing. Yeah, as soon as you hear it or as soon as I heard it, you know, uh, my, my stomach dropped because, yeah. uh, you know, the first thing you think is, uh, okay, you know, here we go. Uh, you know, a surgery that's going to shut him down uh, for the rest of the year. So uh, hopefully like, he could uh, recover and, uh, like I said, uh, pitch deep into the season. Yeah, it just puts more pressure on Paxton and, and everything else. Yeah, too, so who, who will Paxton. See, uh, who will see today, right? No stranger to the IL. Yeah, and yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to exactly. seeing him pitch today yeah. against uh, the Orioles. 
last big update I'll give you is Mike Fultonevich. Uh, he's on the 10-day DL for now. He could be activated pretty quickly, though, so maybe this isn't a big deal, this bone spur. Uh, but Fultonevich, a guy whose ability is top level and mm-hmm. could be a – he's the type of guy that can win a Cy Young Award. He's that good. He's that talented, right? So did you have extremely high expectations for Fultonevich? I did, yeah. Not extremely high, but yeah. I mean, uh, look, it, this is a good team, uh, the Braves. Yeah. And uh, the thing that they're missing really is, uh, you know, some uh, solid, reliable pitching. They have a lot of moving parts, some young guys uh, like Wright. And, uh, you know, they ended up Tehran uh, had <laughs> opened the season for them. But uh, yeah. they definitely could benefit from Fulty. Yeah. Fulton Evich can, uh, can power the Pitching Ninja's Twitter yeah. feed just on his own. These guys filthy. So uh, it will be good to see him back. We're going to flip the page in the next hour. We'll talk some NFL. It's Mike and Joe on FST. Hour number two coming up right after this.